Clubhouse. Welcome to Pod Clubhouse's first podcast covering the brand new MGM Plus series called Beacon 23. This is Paul Daly here with Inez and Gabby. How are you guys doing? Hello. Happy to be here, Paul. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, terrific. Super excited. Let's get this show on the road. All right. Did you guys even know MGM Plus was a thing before I asked you to assist me on this podcast? I think I'd heard of it and then I forgot immediately after. It used to be called Epics and now it's called MGM Plus. Oh. Uh, it is home to a couple of TV shows that are very underwatched, um, including one called From that's a lot like Lost. It even has Harold Perrineau in it as the lead. But that's a, that's a great show that that uh, because it's hidden on this little tiny subscription service, no one has seen. But you probably should. You'd enjoyed it. I totally had Epics actually at one point, and I have seen some of that show. And then yeah, they changed it to MGM Plus, and I forgot about it. That's really funny. I had like a nice little three month free or discounted subscription that I must have forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they also made a a couple seasons of a show called Pennyworth, which was based on Bruce Wayne's butler, Alfred, before he became yes. the butler. He was like, apparently, like James Bond. <laughs> yeah, I started that too. Oh my gosh, that's so sad that they changed their name and then lost me. Well, MGM has, you know, like a hundred years worth of name recognition. It's just... Um, if you keep changing names and you're kind of hard to find and you don't have like these huge marquee shows, but you have more like these niche interest shows, then you're going to stay hidden. So Beacon 23 might help them claw their way up to, into more television sets, dragging off the success of Silo earlier this year came out from Apple TV Plus. And the reason they're tied together is that they're both based on the source material from the same um, novelist, Hugh Howey. Did either of you guys watch Silo? I know Gabby did. I did not. It's, She's not in, up with the times. Paul, I am so sorry. Oh, you didn't take my pitch of, of it's Snowpiercer, but it makes more sense. <laughs> it does. It's amazing. <laughs> I do. You know how long my queue is? I have lists of recommendations that I get from Gabby all the time. I'm and sorry. And I'm trying to work no, my way through you all You rewatch. Uh, also... I also go back and like have other shows from other people. So, you know, like I'm in high demand for my time, guys. No, oh, I understand. She rewatches. She rewatches. That is that 13th is the rewatch of friends. She's a liar. No, not even <laughs> friends. <laughs> we don't even have to name her rewatch list. It's oh, ridiculous. It's what the... is my rewatch list? My rewatch Let's list. Let's not talk my... about that. What we can talk about is how MGM has a hundred years worth of recognition. But Paul, let me ask you something. Uh, are a hundred year old people watching? Are they streaming? No. So it was a bad move because young people knew epics. You know what young people don't know? MGM. You know why? Because we're not watching commercials because we're streaming stuff. That's true. I guess. Bad move. I mean, the, Sorry, boomers. the big fat recognition with MGM is like some really long legacy characters like James Bond. I just think about a lion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the roaring lion, of course. The, the. <laughs> Anyhow, Hugh Howey, a novelist who you guys would probably like him if you met him. I've, I saw him at Comic-Con this summer and I took the worst selfie in the history of selfies with him that I was so ashamed of that I couldn't actually put on social media because it was that unflattering for me. But he was a really cool guy on a couple of different panels where people were just kissing his ass based on his accomplishments. And he not once gave in to any ounce of ego or anything that would suggest that he thought of himself in any terms more accomplished or better than anybody else sharing the stage with him. And that was really endearing, I thought. He... uh kind of a self-made guy. He has had several different careers, including like yacht captain. One of the things that I think makes him kind of a cool guy is he was captain of a yacht that was docked in Manhattan on 
And when people started to kind of rush away from the center of town to get just anywhere away, he started using the yacht to ferry people from Manhattan over to New Jersey. I mean, it wasn't his yacht, obviously. He's just the, he's just the yacht captain. But he didn't wait for anybody to tell him to do it or ask permission. He just started doing that. And it's just little things like that where he doesn't wait to be told, well, this is the right way to publish a book. This is the right way to make a TV show. He just does it. And then people end up thinking it's pretty cool. Solid guy. Yeah, well, I thought so. His big publishing claim to fame is that he self-published the silo books. Unlike the traditional publishing model where an author needs to kind of kiss the ass of a publishing house and maybe make a living eventually sometime, he self-published through Amazon. And when the publishing houses came to him to ask if they if he would publish with them, he was able to dictate terms to them about what he wanted from them and they had to give it to him, um, which is a very unusual position to be in. So he's gone on to write different novels, including Beacon 23, which was less of a novel and more of a collection of short stories. I have not watched ahead from the premiere nights episodes, episodes one and two, which we'll be talking about in this podcast. But I have seen articles suggesting that although the show will be somewhat serialized, it will also benefit from an emergency of the week sort of model, sort of like Star Trek or something like that, which owes to its origination from from being a collection of short stories that were all based on the same beacon, but they weren't necessarily like one leads to the, to the next to the next. It was some period of time passing in between them that, that wasn't really important. Oh, I like that. What did you guys think of the show? Uh, I'm glad that you kind of gave some of that context because um, watching into the episode two, I was surprised of it being like a its own like start to end story. And I was like, oh, I just feels like very like old school to me. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Like I felt, right? And so it just, it has, you know, it kind of has some prominent like sci-fi things. It's got the sci-fi cheese. You know, I'm always, every time we have a sci-fi kind of series, I always have to kind of evaluate and assess the level of cheesiness uh, that is like obligatory. I felt like there was a lot of kind of like one-liners or kind of like um, conversations that were just kind of cliche or typical. Um, It's in episode Give me an example. I knew somebody was going to ask me that. I, I was really, um, I was really tired, but you know, I could, we can run, we can like do like a, a live view one of these days and I'll start pointing them out that way. I, um, but yeah, so like Halen was the one who had primarily like those kinds of typical cheesy lines or, you know, it's just like, um, unoriginal script. All the sequences where he is, uh, lying poorly to Aster because I said so, you know, that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're right. It did kind of roll off in this sort of predictable, like, hmm, this is not surprising me yet sort of, sort of way. Um, I'm glad that there are more surprises to come than, than what happened right up front there. Um, Cause I mean, there are a lot of questions that are, that we are left with as viewers moving forward in the show. Um, but before we get to all that, what about oh. you, Gabby? Geez Louise, this is going to be a fun podcast because holy moly, I like (laughs) was here for everything and loved it right from the start because the intro was freaking amazing. And I guess, I guess we can say it's because of this old school feel you guys are talking about. I didn't like catch that. I guess I was just loving and living that experience. I mean, it's just, you know, Star Trek, right? Star Trek just had these pretty fucking amazing intros that like still get me riled up and excited and happy. And so this was so beautiful to watch. I mean, the intro was, I felt like I was watching Star Trek, you know, but like with the times. So technology advancement now makes it look absolutely gorgeous. And I was just so happy to just be there. And I mean, I could just watch the movie on mute or the show on mute and be very, very, very happy with. And so I guess maybe the, I, I didn't catch cheesiness. I did 
like or notice that in the first episode, I was really confused. And <laughs> yeah, I suppose it was because of what you guys call cheesy and what I'm, I didn't I didn't think that I just thought, OK, this is those characters. It was kind of like I was watching Star Trek Voyager where like things are just happening and I'm just like having to be here for it. And I really trust that it's going to get somewhere quickly or just whenever. And I don't know, I was just really enjoying everything that I was seeing. I didn't even nitpick any of the dialogue just because I did appreciate that I felt like these characters were unique. Well, you should know that Inez doesn't usually mean cheesy with uh, animosity. Uh, It's usually (laughs) more endearing than that. I do like cheese. I just I just always like when it's sci-fi, I just expect I just like it for me. It's like fun. I find it fun to find the cheesy oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't I just didn't notice that, I guess, because I maybe am like cheesy or something. I just I didn't recognize the cheese. I thought it was like more serious and I'm very happy with the cast. And I think that Lena, yes, Lena Hetty, right? She is, I love watching her and everything. Like she is so versatile and she's so, she's really, really great. In this. She's just, yeah, just, this is not any of the other characters. Like I appreciate that so much. I saw her the last, you know, episode I saw her in was Billions and then watching her in this, like I had to, I don't know, like relook it up because I'm like, this is her, right? Like, I'm not crazy. This is her because she's just, I love her versatility and I love what she brought with this character. And usually some characters, I love the confidence that all of these people have in their characters in this context, just because putting self in that situation, like I did catch myself thinking like, oh, well, why are they not like more panicked or why is, why are they not reacting like the way maybe I would in that moment? And then I remember the context of like, you know, fast forward different times, like they're basically pirates in space. And this is just like a different setting and environment and like atmosphere that they are introducing me to and it's all new and so I was I was really confused throughout this but I appreciated watching it and then the end of this episode I was very very excited for the next one because I thought okay they wrapped it up this is a fun show like I'm ready for the next one the connective tissue between I would say the the book and the TV show, I think is mostly tied up in Halen's character. The book, I don't think is going to provide much of a template for episodes or arcs or anything like that. I think it's more like the setting, the character, the feel, the tone. I read the book several years ago, and what I recall was a sort of a meditation on loneliness and madness and that kind of stuff. And you get that feeling with Halen. But in terms of like plot points and stuff, I think the opening spaceship crash was uh, part of that, but the rest of it is extrapolated from the setting and and the introduction of Aster to the mix and all that stuff. Uh, Doing all of that, developing the show, was the responsibility of a guy named Zach Penn. You have seen his work. You have seen a lot of his work. He wrote X2. He wrote X-Men The Last Stand. He wrote The Incredible Hulk. He wrote The Avengers. He wrote Ready Player One. uh, He wrote Free Guy. He has at least story credit on those things, meaning that he might have originated the the first script, but then it might have been rewritten later. So you've seen a lot of his work, and he's done a little bit of TV before. So he, he got in the news recently for being quoted in a book for calling Joss Whedon a dick. And I just actually got to that part in that book. And it makes a lot of sense. It does sound like Joss Whedon is a dick. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Noted. Noted. Yeah, so I think the recurring characters are going to be played by Lena Hedy or Hedy. I'm not sure how you say her last name. Most well-known, I think, for playing Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. Um, But she has been acting just a ton for the last 20 years. Oh, definitely. You don't think so? Um, well, I thought, um, no, I thought 62 um, episodes of Cersei Lannister. 300. I I loved her in 300. Yeah. 300 was like her big, her big one for me. Every time I see her, that is who she is. And then everything else is sprinkles. Queen Gorgo in 300. I mean, Cersei Lannister. I mean, if you, if you ever use the phrase, I choose violence 
You're quoting her, okay? <laughs> so she quoted me, Paul. Oh, you're right. You're right. All right. So then the other actor is Stephen James, who I was not as familiar with his work, but he has done a ton of it, including playing Jesse Owens in a movie called Race about Jesse Owens. He was in Selma. He was in If Beale Street Could Talk. He was, I mean, he was uh, one of the main characters in the TV show Homecoming about PTSD and veterans. And uh, Julie Roberts was in that show. So he has done a ton of work. I just haven't seen a lot of it myself. He's got a very, he's got very sympathetic eyes, I think. Ooh, yeah. His, his list is, um, it's a good one. He's been in a lot of nice statement pieces. I'm going to have to check him out because um, I, yeah, I'm looking at his list of films right now. And yeah, Gabby, it's like a, a really great impression right off the bat from there, but I haven't seen any of these. So I'm going to have to go back because I can only base off, base it off of what I'm experiencing in this show. And I feel like Aster, Lena's work um, on Aster is just so great and so dynamic and versatile. And, and, and it's, to me, if sound, it makes it like the experience gap between her and um, Stefan um, look really prominent. I felt like his acting was not as like well-rounded as like her. And I think because I see them together and I see her scenes and whatnot, I wrote down that his acting just kind of didn't come off as strong for me in this one so far. And I think maybe part of it is, I mean, I think a lot of it is the script and he's the one who's getting the cheesier kinds of like lines and moments and so i don't know whatever he's trying to do to kind of like bring that out it's just kind of to me is a little bit of a distractor because she's so strong and she's so solid and i think also i really like harmony and her acting too and and so i you know i i didn't intend to kind of rank them but since we're having the conversation i'm just kind of processing it i love the ai interactions so much you know you always see in these kinds of films or shows where the AI just like does stuff, right? You just give it a command, they spit back their analysis or then they execute the actions, right? But I loved how we kept going like, you know, she, we kept getting like direct feedback from the AI about like what was going on. And then in the episode two, getting like a visual kind of perspective of that whole dynamic between Harmony and Bart and the interference and stuff like that. So I thought that was super clever and was really fun to watch. I mean, it was, a, she's a Cortana. So I was really happy to watch a cooler Cortana. <laughs> At least that's how I felt. So just about like the acting, I totally like see what you're saying. I though just contributed that difference in intensity with, well, he's supposed to be the ex-military and he's, he's young and ex-military. So I did actually feel like that was a pretty good representation of like that kind of person who's kind of not narrow-minded but you know he obviously like you know we learn later like he has a lot going on that might contribute to the quick responses short-sighted thinking sort of thing it's like it's in survival mode from one moment to the next whereas um, Aster's character is absolutely her character was so incredibly like mysterious right because she knows so much more and then we of course find out like what's going on between them and so i don't know i contributed the um like that gap that you're talking about to just like him being a veteran and his character but the story is developing and so i i feel like maybe the sympathetic eyes also <laughs> paul you're <laughs> right he has a look that i don't know i think it fits well with this character that's just like really like honorable and flawed together those are definitely the best characters there's a lot the, the dynamic characters in this even though he is kind of flatter than aster and then the ais oh my gosh they are amazing oh my goodness. yeah you were mentioning uh bart uh, or bartholomew to his yes. uh, non-friends <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> i love him so much i liked how um Harmony offhandedly mentions something like he hasn't been around people and and so that's why he's acting this way. She's not talking about Halen, she's talking about Bart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was so good. I loved loved the AI. I love the AI interactions.
questions. And yeah, the women in this, holy cow, they really are just superior characters, just dynamic depth you can like make acting but i mean that's not so different from like real life you know what i mean like ladies just have a lot more to us so mm. what do you think inez <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> i 100 percent agree we're like superheroes and this is constant like that you know i related a lot to uh aster's kind of just staring and analyzing silently you know that's like my constant state of existence just observing and then and making a confident action and then watching it and then just keep poking, keep finding and whatever. But just like her con her look and her composure of just being so focused. But you know that there's so much going on in her head. Yeah, I think what you were saying about the difference in their acting experience, but also just their characters' lives, that might be what we're seeing on screen, Inez and Gabby, is Halen, I get the sense like he's maxed out dealing with this situation, right? He's Absolutely. lonely. He's he, he doesn't know how to work a beacon. He's not there intentionally, or at least we don't know why he's there. But with the sticky notes everywhere on what dials and what buttons do what, that lets us know, <laughs> like, right, he's way out of his depth here. And he's a bad uh, liar, for sure. And she comes in, like you're saying, she comes in very much knowing the score although we don't know exactly why she's there we got a sense of like the isa is they sound like the highway patrol maybe or the people that run the highways in your given city like they they sound like some sort of space faring space lane management organization or something like that but the other group that they never really said who they were was it the qt something like that that, that they the, were hired by her company Right. That she works for. But it was like the Are pirates and her. Are we talking about both episodes right now? Or yeah, just, the just kind of all one? at once, all at once. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, but they were, they both say that they are hired by the same pirate sponsor. We don't know what that motivation is. It, it makes me wonder a whole lot about, did the dark matter or whatever that made the ship that was passing by crash, like all of those plot points seem way too convenient to gel into to an actual oh, yeah. unplanned event you know like her pod comes out the pirate ship is there floating waiting for the wreck all those things <laughs> i guess that's what the cheese was you know just like knowing something just something randomly comes in but i was just very excited and ready for it and no as soon as they did as soon as those like pirates entered i absolutely understood i don't know i just felt like that all of this was supposed to happen. And then, of course, it was acknowledged later on that they were hired by the same people. And so that just, I don't know, like that, I, I guess I didn't expect it. So there was a brief surprise. But as soon as they got on and they were just on their mission, that's exactly how it was when she landed there. And she, you know, with where they're just so confident and they know where everything is and they have this agenda. And so it was really interesting for me. I just kind of accepted that. Okay, cool. I have three storylines happening and they just crashed right now and I'm really ready for the unraveling. So I guess maybe I've seen so many movies that have like some kind of like vantage point meetup that I did quickly catch on to that being the case. And I was just definitely okay with my confusion. I was totally, totally shocked i really appreciated how throughout the episodes like from the very you know first one to the end of the first episode big surprise you know when they when they land and crash and that's like okay this is exciting but then even in the the second episode holy moly i mean can i talk about the content sure i didn't expect that plot twist at the end where this annoying little green soldier decided to draw his first red um or whatever they call it on his mother the best character in the show so far and then boom that happens and so i was um and yeah and he just became a little man in that moment and so that just provided again more context of like what you were saying paul is like what's going on in all of these characters lives like these are people they're living in a time and in a world that like is is beyond me so they're not going to be i don't know their context but i think that whatever they're doing is probably appropriate for whatever like their background is and so i was super enjoying all of the action and all the storylines and everything but holy moly when that happened i just I'm happy with this writer. <laughs> That's a good point. 
whatever the ISA is, they thought out this system travel to have these guideposts, these beacons along the way. And that seems fairly organized, but instantly we're exposed to maybe it's not, or maybe it's not great anymore because a couple different characters mentioned that things aren't the way they used to be. And we kind of took it as, well, their own personal situations probably suck now. Like the red-haired lady being the former leader of a planetary colony. Now she's a space pirate. Yeah, that things are not the way they used to be. That's for sure. But maybe she means something broader. Maybe what you were saying, Gabby, like things now aren't what they were. And people are having to turn to this sort of privateer freebooting living that ordinarily would never have had to take that route. I was really disappointed or a little bit disappointed because I got over it quickly when <laughs> the like lady soldier, <laughs> she was such a badass and then she died right away. Well, I mean, I mean that a, made me sad he, he, because he I had to be souped up action. to take her on. I know, but I was really impressed by him. So I thought that that like the purpose served and I was happy about it. But I was also the entire time just ready to see her in action. But it's fine. It's fine because I saw him and he was great. Well, her little plot point suggests that we are far enough along in the future that there have been colonies that have existed long enough that either they have genetically manipulated the people that live there to withstand the elements and the environment, or they live there long enough that their bodies have naturally done so. So she's bigger, stronger, taller mm -hmm. to live wherever it is she lives. And then let's talk about the hacker man who has this umbilical Gross. cord that can go into <laughs> the ship that was amazing and it's like <laughs> hot dog meat falls out of the tube oh my gosh <laughs> Inez what did you think about that that was that, I loved it loved it it looks like this is um something like you just said right like there's the evolution of the biology across these different people because Halen also has an umbilical cord thing that comes out and attaches to equipment. So he gets souped up and has to charge that way. So I think like between seeing him and then the other guy, I just was like, okay, well, that's like cool. That's interesting um, evolution that we're seeing. I thought it was really cool watching the hacker guy at work while also experiencing Harmony and Bart's experiences in the computer system that was super neat i really really loved that perspective so much i don't think that i have ever gotten a chance to see that perspective before on film so that was fun after that i'm just kind of like looking to see like okay what is this for what is this for what is this for right because so when we got to the halen who had to charge himself up he spent a long time charging right and then yeah, they're like yeah we know we have to do this right and then his output was really great but i felt like it was super short lived and i was like man that was a lot of I mean, drama of like charging char charging and then like he he like goes down really well, i thought fast it might be that he took kind of like a glancing blow from what had been charged up to be a fatal shot from those wave weapons because we know from yeah. you know boy and mom that at close range you're dead meat and he was maybe yeah. 10 feet away when he got that hit. Yeah. I loved watching him like in action after he was souped up. I thought those were really good perspectives to get, especially since we did get to see the kid kill the former minister, his mother, and seeing how she just went down, bam, gone down. Right. And so yeah. then it made me give like an appreciation reflection on what um Halen went through earlier when he got nailed with that gun and then he was just like whatever <laughs> I'm still standing right but yeah now that I understand that these are meant to be episodes that have like a start and finish of a specific conflict as well as like a bigger picture kind of thing going on I think now that I understand that I won't be so critical about that kind of pace because you know I'm so used to like Game of Thrones is like you know it takes slow like, and five boring episodes. yeah I hate it's, it, <laughs> so it, it <laughs> simpleton so, writing yes <laughs> so now that I have that because I, I was kind of like I felt like we we 
had a lot of cut scenes and back and forth between the scenes of of seeing him charging up so much. And then he what he did was so great. And then I was really intimidated. And I did want to see more of like super strong, like woman warrior, just to see like, you know, kind of get to get a sense and feel and taste of that danger that you're facing. Oh my gosh. So one line that I really, really fucking loved that I guess is like upper level cheesy was when um, Harmony told Bart to run a (laughs) self-diagnostic because he was, that's like her shutdown of him. Like he needs to like self-reflect, but that was also like a fuck you. Like, you know, that was so great. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, you need to run a self-diagnostic. And then he's like, oh my God, you're right. Like, I need to fix this bullshit. It was out of line. I really appreciated that this AI, I feel like is just so, I don't know. It's just, it's just beautiful. I am saying realistic, but I mean, who knows with, with AI, it's like everything is realistic and unrealistic, but I really, really love like their AI here that is like loyal and not trying to, totally take it is just like an excellent not sidekick but companion it's an excellent cortana i don't know if you guys if paul you know halo yeah yeah okay well to me it was just like master chief cortana vibes that i'm getting constantly and i it's it's wonderful it's just elevated cortana and i'm very very proud and happy but yes her telling him to run a self-diagnostic and him just taking that beat down and doing just that was very appropriate well so far harmony might be our most reliable not she's not a point of view character i don't think but she she is what she is we know that bart for instance is going to is probably more limited and has some backstory that we need to know about solomon and halen halen was a liar from the beginning but he's not a very good liar and we don't know his whole story, but we we know that he was around when Solomon died, and we don't know the answer to that question yet. So we're not quite sure what to believe that he says. And there are a couple different instances where Aster shows that she is a talented liar. Like her whole intro story was a lie. Her getting in good with the red-haired pirate lady was a lie. She just managed to create on the fly lies to try to get in with people quickly. Well, yeah, she's a badass. <laughs> well, that explains it all. But it, but as far as a as a point of view character, it makes it hard for us to know where she's going, what she wants, why she wants it. All that stuff. We know that she wants these rocks, these glowy rocks, and they seem to be pretty important. But what else is going on there? Is she waiting for someone to come and get her? Is she stuck there too? Like what all is happening here? She is who she is and she's magical at it and she's a lady. So I understand what she's doing. She has a goal and it's all... She's winning. Means to the end. She's winning? Yeah. She's doing what it takes to win. So even if if we can't really trust anything that comes out of her mouth right away, what you can trust is like her, um, the goal, her, the trajectory, yeah, her focus, her extreme focus, um, her quick decision-making her confidence. She's really brave. She took out the really loud, big, scary, up um, captain guy, like with her yeah, own that bare was hands. Great. That was love to that. It was all from him. Yeah. Like, like um, counting her out. Like he thought, his mm-hmm. his presence, just the himness of him, would be enough to scare her down. Such a typical guy thing. Well, it's a typical villain thing. Yes, I like it. I like it. Yeah. So I find it really entertaining watching her like function and appreciate that she is on a mission, gets stuff done, and it's creative, out of the box kind of stuff. You know, like there's no need to be super honorable when it comes to like surviving and getting like your mission you know you just gotta do what you gotta do um she is empathetic though i think she is really consistent she is she's a good i don't think she's a bad person i just think that she's focused and she knows when to compromise some of those honorable things right like you don't have to be a hundred percent honest to get something really important like done but I don't think that makes you dishonorable either. It's it's okay to lie to pirates. 
<laughs> yeah, it is okay. <laughs> but I didn't think that at all. I, I thought that she was really consistent and that I could trust her, actually. I thought that she and Harmony were both really similar in that way. The only difference is that Harmony is AI and knows everything, obviously, like, but doesn't have like the emotional component. But Aster is a human. So it's just the parallels, like the AI matches the personality is like the computer version of this human. And so Bart is a dick and so was his human. And so I thought that they were really parallel when it's just an excellent representation of like a flawed human and like an organic human, right? Like she has to, she's made out of like bones and skin and blood, like she can die. <laughs> so she is just going her own way and her own path in order to like live this one life. And so I think that she is not predictable, but she's consistent. And so I do have like an idea. I absolutely know her trajectory and I do like have an idea of how she's going to play a situation out based on like that trajectory. So it's a little more abstract, but I did find that like I could completely trust what her intentions were in every situation. That's interesting. So that's really interesting. That yeah, because we we different. we may never be able to trust her history, but we can trust what we expect out of her. Like she's right. of the two of them, she's more calculated, more level level headed. I think she's more intelligent. She's a lady, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. With all the the ten IQ points, uh, just right away because the ladiness. Like twenty five. Twenty five. Wow, quite a bonus. Not a bonus, just just realistic. That leaves us with a lot of questions <laughs> mo moving forward to what comes next. One thing that I don't want to have a question about, and I think the final tracking shot away from our lead two actors was, I think, meant to tell us was that these two are not meant for romantic entanglement. Well, yeah. I'm perfectly great with that. <laughs> what do you, you guys think of that? Because their heads are like bobbing back and forth a little bit at the end there. And if you wanted to, you might be able to see one motion or another suggesting one thing or another. But what I saw was just two people that had gone through some, you know, they, they just went, went through something big. And now they're just going to figure out how they're going to deal with each other. And that's about it. No, I think she might like, like me kind of business here. Yeah, we're not children. This isn't a Disney high school movie, but go on, go on. And as you elaborate. <laughs> you know he's been alone for a long time and he genuinely like we you know when he's saying that he just didn't want to be alone there was a moment that i thought that the way that they looked each other in the eyes and moved you know was like oh no is this a suggesting a potential like love line because i don't think that this needs that but you, then you saw like, it too it did, right just a second yeah there right it, it was a moment and then i but and as it like continues on and they just like lean on each other, it did kind of turn more into a like, all right, we got through this, like just comforting him as a human. He's hurting and it was he was letting himself be vulnerable. He hasn't spoken to like a human in a long time. And she tried to take care of him early, you know, in episode one, right? Gave him medication for PTSD kind of symptoms. And so she is like a good person. Um, she is empathetic and cares about that. And so I thought it was a really sweet moment. But for a super brief moment there, I did feel like they gave me too much love eyes um, <laughs> when they're like looking at each other. And I was like, no, this they don't need it. They're like really cool. Like, this <laughs> all right all right all right well let me tell you guys what i saw was that brief moment was that of a mother to a child that was what i saw of just like this care for this person because he was so vulnerable and honest in that moment and and that for me when he said like i can't be alone that was huge for me. I like that doesn't happen, especially, you know, I just I mentioned Voyager and all these sci fi shows and whatever from 
the past and never, ever, ever do they bring up that component of vulnerability and loneliness and PTSD. Like I really love that this is an incredibly realistic and, and hard topic to like understand and experience to endure. And like at the end of the day, you know, he's so strong and blah, blah, blah. But any person like can't be alone in those situations or else like you're, you're nothing. You know, we saw that he's everything. He can be everything. I'm sure he was an incredible like soldier or whatever he was in his past because he does have a lot of honor and duty and all that but I thought this moment was just like very very complex when he did that to me I saw like that of a mother who's just like I need to like take care of you I understand and then immediately after it was like great like you're gonna fuck up my mission this is annoying you know it's like you love this person and you will take care of them because you have it inside of you to be but then you're like back to the mission you know out of mom mode and you're like well fuck great like now we're gonna have a bunch of shit to deal with but I guess this is gonna work out because like you have utility but it would be easier if it was just me and my harmony doing shit because you know he has his trauma so to me I just thought that she was like immediately empathetic and there was love but it was more of like not romance it was more of like a nurture and then it was immediately into like well great he's like an anchor but it's fine we can work it out maybe i was just projecting maybe we're all just projecting <laughs> uh, well, i definitely don't need them to be the slightest bit romantic at all ever throughout the course nobody of the needs show. that no yeah it was a really sweet moment you know and you know gabby and i you know we both you know have PTSD from various like traumas in our history. And, you know, it is the worst for me. I won't speak for Gabby, but I know like for me, it feels really lonely a lot of the time, most of the time. And then like when you feel like you're suffering completely alone is really deeply like devastating. So I thought that that moment was really sweet and I was really glad that they had it in here because any tiny bit of like acknowledgement of the suffering is really helpful but then like active comforting is like a huge thing so like whatever like big suffering he's going through before this moment this is a bonding thing I think like this will make him more helpful and more like loyal to her direction and guidance. Cause I feel like between them, like she's absolutely the leader. He does show great initiative. He did like, you know, help with the mission of getting things like back or whatever. But honestly, like it's all like from her really. Right. Did you find it at all interesting and telling maybe that Harmony mentions that uh, PTSD has been done away with for years. The last case was yeah, a long time I like ago. That. So does it suggest that whatever it is that he went through, it must exceed the norm, whatever the norm is expected for soldiers? I don't know if it exceeded the norm, but it does tell me that he has adapted or evolved past whatever they're doing to treat this. Like There were a lot of drugs, did you notice? Yeah. A lot of derma patches, yeah. pharma was mentioned just kind of mm -hmm. generically, but it came up a lot. So he's like a super bug, right? Like, so <laughs> all of those insecticides and pesticides are just like, it's not come. His human is coming out and that's like going to end up being his like superpower. I think those are valid. Another thought maybe could be, maybe there's like something that's like programmed inside him that like nobody knows about, not even him. And maybe that could be like what's trying to come through or something. Ooh. Just kind well, of out of the some box. alien is like seeding empathy and he has so much like he has like stuff inside his body that is connected to electronics of sorts it's somehow like enhanced his biology it could be something downloaded into him that like so you, you think know it's a virus? he doesn't know I don't know. I don't know. Like Wolverine, you know, like Wolverine. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. So there's another agenda. Well, that's something that he's forgotten about is still inside him that rears up. And it did a few times in this. I like that. Yeah. And I think it is meant to be. We're going to definitely see later on how it is a superpower because he like Aster, right? Like she has her trajectory. And I think maybe that's fueling him to keep and maintain his trajectory because everyone else is just 
kind of flimsy. I mean, the minister wanted her child to like live and grow and develop. And that was her agenda. But everyone else is just really a true pirate, except for Aster and this guy, Halen. And it's probably, yeah, driven by the PTSD or virus or evolved state that he's in. So that's a big question moving forward is what is this PTSD about? What is it tied to? Is it just bad memories or is it something bigger, something that he went through that is that maybe he was forced to forget that just comes out in these flashes that he doesn't know how to reconcile with? What other big questions did you have moving forward, Gabby? I don't really have questions. I just have excitement. What are you excited for then? Oh my, okay, so this last episode, the second episode, had so many great characters and then they all got taken out. And so I'm really looking forward to the next batch of intense people who I, I mean, it's one one episode and the character development for these people like was excellent because I did care about every single one of them, including the cyborg lady who died early, the cyborg warrior lady who died early. Like I think that the development is done so well that I am just looking forward to meeting the next one and the next one and the next one and and feeling something in every episode. So I'm just I'm just like here for the ride and it's thrilling. That, that's how I feel. And it's pretty. By watching the credits, have you noticed that Steven Root is credited as a co-star? Oh, my God. I didn't notice that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ah. He is credited <laughs> as Solomon. Yeah. Oh, I, I can see. Right. I, yeah. He does look like Solomon. So, obviously, that is Solomon. Okay, and, cool. And if so, you watch uh, any of the preview trailers for Beacon 23... You, there's more Solomon? You see stuff that might suggest we get some flashbacks or I don't... I don't... I don't know what. I don't know what. But you do get some Steven Root on screen, not in, like, uh, a space helmet in, you know, a security camera, <laughs> but something where you can actually recognize that it's him. And that's, uh, I'm looking forward to that on, on to, to follow up on your point about the characters. Cause I know I have a lot of faith in his ability just to bring a character to life, just in his own skills. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah, that is, that is really exciting. Oh my goodness. Um, and he's such, I don't know. Apparently he's like a complex asshole and I, I'm really loving that. Kind. I know that he was in Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and he was kind of that character in Barry. Did right, he was the Barry? he was the the fixer or whatever. Right, he was Barry's yeah, hand, he was, handler. I imagine that that's going to be a similar vibe, and I cannot wait. I can't wait to see him and Bart because he's going to put Bart in his place, and it's going to be magical. All right. Do you have any questions or excitements, uh, Inez, that you are looking forward to with the next episode? The little boy, right? I honestly think that his arc is done. Yeah, I assume he took off. that. Yeah, I think he just like is gone in the world. I think that that was just kind of like a really like sad evolution of him having this tra- new transition in his life, and everybody's he's dead. Think and about now killing he's just... his mom for the rest of his life now. <laughs> but he's a man now. <laughs> mm, that yeah. was important. So I didn't get a vibe that that was meant to be a continuous story with him, but who knows. I'm interested to just keep learning more history about how this like former world where the minister kind of fucked things up, I guess, and millions of people, um, you know, die. Like, what's that, you know, impacting our overall story here with this like rocks that we're trying to get a hold of and um, that we're trying to find. Did they find it? They didn't find it yet, right? Yeah, they found I, it. I've seen. They did find. It. Oh, that was. Oh, yes. Yeah, that second episode, I did see the a bag of rocks. Glue, the glowy but, blue stuff that disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah so, um, I guess just kind of f- learning more about like what those things do and why she like people kill each other. Why is it so important? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I like, mean, show th- me new characters. <laughs> you're like, tell me what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Yes, that's. <laughs> I Where do, am I going? Well, I, I agree. I agree that the little boy. Um, I don't think that he's going to be like a 
super continuous character. I do think that it would be really cool to see him at like his next stage or next level way further on, you know, like in Star Trek, they did have characters that did eventually come back like in one episode or part of an episode or were at least referenced or something. And so I do hope that that happens because it is really interesting. And then, yeah, like Inez, you're... I appreciate the way like you're trying to get into all of this because I'm like all scattered and, and happy to go with the scatter. But you're right. Apparently the minister did do something and it was really apparent in like this boy who is so emotional, right? Like he was just, he feels a lot. He thinks a lot. He's really raw. But then, I mean, the fact that he felt justified in murdering her. So it does bring up the question of what exactly did happen and how bad was it? And, you know, we have this tiny snippet of perspective where we like her and we think she's, you know, all these positive things or whatever, but objectively big picture, you know, is it actually like a justified kill? And so I did appreciate that it made me question everything that I was already thinking and feeling just based off of like his character going from one thing absolutely to another because I still do believe that he like has feelings I don't think he just became like this crazy person he felt deeply justified and if he felt deeply justified I am looking forward to what exactly she did that's kind of like that v for vendetta or v for vendetta in general but especially the scene where he v um you know talks to the doctor and she apologizes and he accepts her apology but he had already poisoned her before she woke up you know it's kind of like that scenario where you are experiencing so many perspectives back to back and then at the end of the day you're like okay I, I guess I guess that's justice you're like indifferent but that's like the biggest justice that played out and so you accept it and move on and so I am curious and I was curious like when I saw him murder her and feel justified and move on if he is just a crazy person or if yeah really there is more to this crazy backstory that made this be like the actual only like option for him he is deeply, deeply hurt and ashamed of whatever it is that happens. So I have a steep curiosity in exploring more of that because I wasn't mad at him at all for being so like calling her out every moment he can because he's just harboring so many deep emotions of something he thinks that she has done. That's crimes against humanity, right? So um, that's a, a very interesting history that i want to get into that was funny i was like this little boy needs to shut up he is a dumb baby we're pirates here like get the fuck over it and then boom he did that and i was like okay never mind you you can hang i'll, I'll like follow you you sorry <laughs> what they're dealing with is tied into what i always love to dig into with these new shows when they present me a new universe of nerdery to nerd out about all of a sudden i need to become an expert in that so then i need to start thinking of well what makes this tick why is that the way this is who's in charge why are they in charge all, you know all that kind of stuff that more developed universes star wars star trek whatever have all that stuff in it and there's all those resources movies books whatever that tell you how it worked but here there's not much to go on and so what we discussed earlier about like well what is the state of this little galaxy that they're in why are these rocks important that's the stuff that all of a sudden my my little brains start to churn around like this failed colony that the redhead lady was in charge of now see i felt a lot more empathy with her in that it feels like almost anyone could wind up being her in that if she was telling the truth and she totally. called for help and they said fuck off and there was no food for the people. I mean, maybe she was a bad administrator and she has the weight and the burden of the deaths that resulted from her leadership. But in another sense, like what was she supposed to do if the system was set up for her to that was that was the extent of her power was asking for help. You know, there was no other no other mm -hmm. way to mitigate that. So then you know, I could wind up being her. And so then that, that was where my sympathies lied with those two characters. But, but, it, but mm -hmm. the, the broader story, like the state of the universe, if, if colonies exist, but then when they ask for help, they can't be helped. Then where are we as a society? Is it spinning down 
basically, instead of colonization things, well, think, you know, things are on the upswing, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe things are much worse. I did not sympathize for him at all. He was just annoying and then I respected him, but her, yeah, absolutely. I really identified with her completely. And I was thinking, okay, he's just like this dumb little bitch who doesn't get it. And I guess he never <laughs> will get it, but, but maybe I'm wrong, but either way, absolutely. She was, she was my favorite character. Um, I mean, I love the others, but I really just immediately when I met her just became like a follower. I mean, you, so. can, you can even like piece together a little bit of backstory, right? To become a yeah. colonial governor, think of all of the, all of the paths that your life would need to take in order to wind up in such a prestigious position, you know? Yeah. And she was such a badass too. And, and then all the so compromises vulnerable. you'd have to make yeah. to be the pirate mom. Yeah. yeah she, really deep um, character. she showed a lot of vulnerability when she completely didn't have to. And I think it's easier for um, Aster, right? Because she's just one mission oriented, whatever. Like she's a badass all the time, stoic, but this other woman, the minister, she um, was way, she had so much more depth, was way more dynamic in every moment. And I absolutely love that she, you know, has the power and then like withheld it because she could have definitely put her dumbass little child in his place multiple times. She understood the context of all of it. And the fact that, you know, she trusted um, Halen's character because he didn't murder this dumbass little child, right? Hmm. Like they let him be that boy like he should have died and she protected him because she's a mother who's like i need to put you in these you know challenging situations so that you can have development and growth and and that's what she was doing on top of holding herself back on top of like it was just it was really really beautiful and then he murdered her with that shock that shock thing and that was like a super i actually made a sound i was like oh <laughs> or something oh, I didn't expect I, it. no yeah yeah i don't usually make noises <laughs> or like <laughs> movements with my body but i'm like this little fucking asshole and then okay okay i respect you fine i was talking a lot of shit fine but yeah, no, she's, it was really sad. I was hoping that somehow she was also part cyborg and was going to move and wake up and then she didn't. Well, we had seen people survive those things, you know, but. Well, but no, I mean, but they were like, far not away. that close. That, it just doesn't, yeah. Yeah, this was like. They were well, charged up. Like that thing, that thing that looked like brass knuckles that she had used that just like wiped the shit off the desk. I think that's more like a defensive weapon you know like it's it's mm -hmm. like you're not gonna mm -hmm. kill somebody with that unless you put it right against their head or something like that but mm -hmm. um yeah. but what he shot her with was like a boarding weapon like a pirate weapon it was it, it is meant to be lethal especially at short range i mean yeah you just all your insides just you know turn become... into goo right yeah, that was really, really sad. I was visualizing that. I'm like, what a little fucking piece of shit. I was so mad. Uh, I, was, I was really pulling for her. I mean, she'd made the deal. They were 10 feet away from their, their boat. And dick. Yeah, 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 I hope he dies. Uh, I know, but I got to respect it because he survived. Good job, little pirate boy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that's what it takes <laughs> all right well moving forward we have these two characters we have their reliance on each other maybe aster's sponsor is going to come out wondering where the other party was or you know the pirates they don't appear to have any way off the beacon themselves so they're stuck with each other so yeah i, I have no idea what comes next but i think we're going to see more people appearing there sooner or later and we're going to need to figure out what happened with solomon we can't fully trust halen yes we had this adventure together and and uh, we protected each other but at the same time now that i know that he has that power pack item in the storage area i might want to put that you know in an area where we both agree that he can access it when he wants to use it well 
he's broken, right? And so what Inez was saying before about PTSD or like feeling comforted. So maybe this is like a really great manipulation tactic that Aster's, well, 100% it's going to be a manipulation tactic where, you know, he's vulnerable. He goes to her for like that outlet of this like weakness and something that's missing inside of him. So I think psychologically, like she will have plenty of control over the situations based off of like his trauma and instability that he is aware of and he's vulnerable and trusting her for guidance it really seemed like in that moment he was like i am like your second i trust you to lead me and this because i can't handle shit even though i'm super awesome and an excellent like soldier warrior i can't do it without you so that's that's what I think. I think she's just fine. But I mean, nobody can ever really trust anybody anyway, especially when they're like not an AI that's like programmed to <laughs> be obsessed with you. <laughs> we could all use a harmony, right? <laughs> or a Bart. I, I could I could use a Bart. <laughs> I love what Bart started talking and he's just like, he keeps saying over and over that he's the one who murdered him. He's And he's yeah. like, I didn't murder him. I didn't murder him. And I'm like, you know what? I like believe in AI. <laughs> an, an AI who like you shut up and, you know, he didn't have his little voice or whatever. So, um, <laughs> you know, so I'm yeah. interested to see like the Solomon story for that because I'm like, I think maybe he did and he just doesn't remember because he's over come with something i don't know mm, yeah it's a question mark. oh yeah and yeah no for sure i'm, I'm positive that like he participated probably he's physically. a computer yeah but i think that i mean stefan said that he like or not not stefan um halen said that he did murder him but he also didn't and so maybe like to me it just seemed like there was like a compromise like i had no other choice sort of situation that happened so like i'm positive that he like did contribute to that 100 percent but was it an accident or was it, you know, the only way to have something, did the other guy go crazy? Did the other guy kind of do it to himself and he didn't stop it? You know, like, yeah, I'm positive that all that. Do you think that Bart could be wrong? You know, cause I'm like, how could it, would a computer, I mean, I know that he's got a personality, he's made in the likeness of Solomon, but even then he's still like a really powerful machine. So why would a be powerful machine? machine like be interpreting what is witnessed and participated in and be that wrong versus Halen who is not as reliable on like that kind of recollection and stuff like that a computer versus like a PTSD memory blackout like person you know but the computer can have that too like it can have like a virus or something a glitch that happened where something can be interpreted as something because he you know Harmony said that he's like kind of dated and he's kind of isolated and whatever. So maybe like because he didn't have like the upgrades in that moment or storage or something going on, like technically that he's, he's not objective. And like he like Harmony doesn't really have a personality. She is objective. She has a mission, but Bart has a personality. So they're they're different softwares like they're different. Everything. He seems much older. And she, I think, is like going to help him become up to date if that's even possible, if he's even compatible with like the most recent updates. I think you're on something, Inez. I think it'll be something like he knows what he saw and what he saw was Halen killing Solomon and he's calling it murder because Halen's saying, mm -hmm. I didn't murder him. So maybe, yeah, maybe he did have to kill him for some compilation of reasons, but the was it murder? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Either way, he did kill him. I do believe he did kill him. And I thought that he said that he did kill him, but it wasn't murder. Either way, Bart is wonderful and i love that he's like always just kind of chiming in like he deserves to die he killed my best friend he deserves to die <laughs> all right it's up to beacon 23 to prove us right at this point i mean we've we've practically written it at this point so i mean <laughs> you're welcome i think it sounded sounds like we also need to like create a wiki page <laughs> yeah track, our theories tracking the, <laughs> tracking yeah, the fan stories. theories well there's been a lot of positive buzz for the show. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Several articles have come out saying that this might be the, the sci-fi show you've been waiting for. <laughs> it's just weird that it's on a channel nobody has. But yeah, there's been uh, Hollywood Reporter and Variety and stuff are all very much in favor of this, what they're doing with this show. 
I think they like that it's kind of episodic. They like that it's pretty short. They like that there's not a lot to keep track of. Something about this production seems very pandemic era to me in that it's a small set. There's only a couple of characters, you know, the kind of limitations that would make shooting with pandemic restrictions cheaper and more doable. It's a huge budget, though. Yeah, there's there are special effects. Special effects aren't cheap, but there's really only one set instead of gallivanting around locations and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Besides Steven Root, if you look at the cast of upcoming um, guest stars, there's no like Brad Pitt's in the list. There's nobody like super expensive in that list. Yeah, I just feel like the production value, the effects it's good. are it masks so it. Yeah. good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cinematography, everything. So maybe it's just like incredibly highly talented people not getting paid what they should. It, it happens. <laughs> so anyway, that has been our coverage for the first couple of episodes. Episodes one, episodes two premiering um, November 12th, 2023 of MGM Plus's Beacon 23. I think we all like the show cheesy um moments aside for some of us i think but uh, i think it's i think it's a, a keeper what do you guys think yeah i agree i'm looking forward to it i'm very excited and happy it's, it's the sci-fi show that i've been waiting for paul i've heard that somewhere <laughs> i've heard that <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Paul with Pod Clubhouse. If you're interested in following me for some reason, uh, I don't really tweet anymore, but uh, I am at Paul V. Daily or at Pod Clubhouse. We are also at www.podclubhouse.com if you want to find all of our other shows that we're talking about. Uh, my partners, Caroline and Mike, are podcasting about The Gilded Age right now, which recently returned to HBO. If you're into period dramas, I'm Gabby Vivar, and my Instagram is Gabby Vivar, so you can find me there. <laughs> uh, I, you can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at oh, yeah. Easy Thinks. That's the proper way to refer to it these days, right? <laughs> is that the, the official platform name? formerly known as Twitter? I just uh. always read. <laughs> yeah. Tons of articles that I'm reading, like all keep referring to it like that X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> so I think there that's you go. the official name or something. Like, because it can't just be X, and it's not called tweeting, right? I don't know. Is it not called Xing? <laughs> so stupid. Get it together, Elon. What are you doing? Yeah, focus on space and cars and stuff. Forget. And then give someone else the job to rename a tweet. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me this week and we will be back. There are eight episodes in this season, so we've got seven more to go. Thanks a lot, guys. Yay, yay, yay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.